Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Behind the Bounce podcast. This is episode 21, the Ben McGlynn tribute episode. Uh, we were discussing that literally 30 seconds ago. Coops, what did you describe uh, Ben McGlynn as? Um, probably as a dragon fruit. Um, so you, you probably don't know him, and if you do, you don't like him. <laughs> so, Premiership player for Sydney, uh, Ward 21. Is he? he is, yeah, won the 20, 2012 uh, Premiership. My bad. Shout out, Ben. For, Feel free to Vegas. come on the podcast if you want. Yeah, he was also a Hawthorne player. I think he's coaching the in. He's doing something with the Saints at the moment. Is he? Um, I'm not sure if it's men's or women's. Uh, he's doing one of the two. Okay. Coaching in, in some some respect. So yeah, okay, that's put some respect on his name, Coops. He's a lot mm. better than a dragon fruit. He's like a kiwi fruit. Oh, if anything, that's good for him. All right, that. That's great from him. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about today. We've got the AFLW review from week five. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about there. Um, we're going to talk about the Eagles and the Dockers. Their women's teams are finally going to get to return home after the donkey's years on the road. Um, WA finally opened the borders to sports teams and sports teams only, proving that uh, sport runs the country, which is amazing. Uh, we've got a couple of injuries, a couple of contract extensions. Uh, the practice match, match fixture has been released. And there was a D's letter that came out yesterday that I'm really excited to, to talk about because that's going to be really interesting. Although Coops has no idea what I'm talking about when I when I say that, do you, Coops? Uh, Dix, you've got zero idea, um, but I might just do a quick little Google while you're talking N- about NFI. NFI. He's got, he's got no flipping idea. Um, we're going to jump back into week five of the AFL-W. Uh, we started off with an absolute ripper on Friday night between the Cats and the Eagles with the Cats getting it done pretty, pretty late and they got up by three points. 4-3-27 to 3-6-24 down at um, Strandbag Stadium, as a friend of mine calls it, a GMHBA. Uh, yes, Coops is just reading the letter as we speak. Uh, yeah. The Pies got done by the Lions who are looking in red-hot form. Uh, the Lions moved to 3-1 and one with two games in hand over... A couple of teams, um, so they're going to make a press for finals as we enter the second half of the season. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, the Pies, again, they're, they're struggling a bit, Coops. Any any comment on that one? Um, no, Dixie, we, um, look, we did all right. Um, like, what, we won a few a few games, like, and then round five. Or well, round four we lost as well, didn't we? Yeah, you Correct. did. Yeah. yeah, so right. we're, we're on the... On the, the downhill skiers, they call us. I think they call us. Mm. You're not in a bad spot, though. Like, you've got the lineup to do it. I just think, oh, inaccuracy one. In a better spot five. than a couple of other teams. Um, Correct. Uh, we'll get to that. My team in particular is, uh, we're struggling a little bit. Okay. Uh, the Demons cemented their spot inside the top four with a good win over the Suns. That was another really good game. The Suns are pretty similar to their men's squad they're very very competitive they just seem to drop out late in a couple of matches and the d's experience got that one done yeah uh the doggies again they're a little bit hit and miss they got a win over the tigers uh so that was quite interesting just their first i think it's their first win of the season isn't it coops first or second um yeah i reckon the tigers it'll be their first or second first yeah, I, think. I think it says first but i reckon they beat us yeah they didn't no, they didn't they haven't played us yet, Coop. So we're their first win of the season. Mm. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> COVID. Gotta mm. love it. Uh, so, yeah, they got their first win of the season. That's really cool. And uh, we do like seeing teams get up. Tigers' inaccuracy was, was an absolute killer there. Uh, the Crows remain the only undefeated team. Uh, sorry, Duxie. Uh, sorry to stop you there. It's definitely their second win. They run against you guys in round one. That's what I thought. But mm. the, um, the, la- the ladder must be wrong. 
We're mm. going to have to get onto the AFL about that because that's false advertising. Uh, the, the Crows are looking in amazing form. They cemented their spot on top of the ladder, although... Um, no, they've got a game in hand. So they're the only undefeated team because the, the Dockers went down to the the Kangaroos. Yeah. And they're, they're in elite form and they're healthy as well. So I reckon early call halfway through the season that the Crows are going to win the flag because they just can't be stopped. They're healthy, as I said. They just welcomed back about four players from injury uh, and suspension and COVID protocols and all that sort of stuff. And they're absolutely trouncing every team that sort of comes across them. So that's good. Uh, and the Dockers, they lost for the first time uh, this season to the Kangaroos. So it's a good win for them. But I'm not quite sold on the Kangaroos being a premiership contender yet. I think that they're good enough on their day. Yeah. But the Dockers are coming to a stretch of four games on the road. Four, you know, uh, No, five games, actually, because they're a game ahead of a couple other teams. Five games on the road. Uh, not sleeping in their own beds, playing in some pretty extreme conditions, short turnarounds, all that sort of stuff. Plus, they had the carrot of going home after this game. So I'm not going to take anything away from the uh, the Kangaroos at all. But I do feel like the Dockers, they did have a little bit more to play for, just in terms of they were going to finally go home. I think they just sort of wanted it over and done with. But the Kangaroos are a top-four team, and they showed that the other night. And then last night, we had the first game. Actually, it was a rescheduled game between the uh, Eagles and the Saints. Eagles finally got their first win of the season, the Saints winless, uh, and they're the only winless team in the competition. Uh, so that sort of sucks. And hopefully it's not a sign of things to come because I'd really like for them to, to climb up the ladder a little bit. Hmm. Coops, anything to add to that? Uh, not to the AFLW uh, results and upcoming games. If you, you haven't been to the upcoming ones, have you? No. No. Do you want to run us through them, Coops? Yeah, all right, I'm there. Um, so we're talking round... Hang on, my app is shit the bed here. Round six. Just close down. Two. Lovely. Oh, that's real nice of it, real. Force quit Apple, thanks. Yeah. Steve? Not responding. <laughs> uh, here we go, round six. Um, opening round, probably the game of the round. Nah, jokes. Um, Gold Coast v Geelong um, at Metricon Stadium. Um, back at the Swinburne Centre, hello, uh, where okay. Richmond or North will take on Richmond um, at the at um, Richmond's home, and then Saturday, four uh, ten. This is not a bad time. It's not a bad That's time. That's a good time. I like um, that. Uh, Melbourne um, will defend Casey Fields against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got Frio, as you said, back at home. Um, Carlton are flying over there. Um, Saints are at Trevor Barker Beach Oval against the Lions. Um, Eagles are at home um, against the Pies. Yes. Um, and then Adelaide and Bulldogs will close out round six at Norwood Oval at 5.10pm. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting round. I think that the main headline to come out of that will be that the Dockers and the Eagles finally uh, get to return home. They'll give yeah. me all clear uh, at the start of the week, hmm. the Dockers flew home on Monday, I think, just as soon as their game finished, they were sort of out. The Eagles obviously had to stay around and play the Saints last night. So it's going to be a little bit of a better run into the end of the season for the Dockers just because they're you know a few days ahead of of the Eagles. But I think that it's, it's deserved and it's opened the door for a lot of sport to be welcomed back into WA. Obviously, uh, the Perth Glory men's team in the soccer Got the all-clear as well, and I think that's really good for them. Not so sure on the A, uh, the A-League women's team yet. I know that we, we don't really uh, care about the soccer too much on this, this no, pod. but no, I don't mind it. 
he doesn't mind it. We might have to get some uh, some A League uh, W players on, maybe. Hello. Oh, hello. We're on. That'll be a critical business meeting after the the pod. But uh, yeah, I think that it's good. It's it's nice because the Perth Wildcats are also allowed to play games over mm. there as well. I think potentially we're getting back to normal yeah. in terms of of what we can do with sports around the country. People aren't having to hub it up as much anymore. I'm sure the AFL will be a different story. Shout out because... to WA Border for not letting Kiss in, by the way. So <laughs> that's postponed. Thanks. Well, I'm Mark, you dopey. Uh, I think that, yeah, as I said, the AFL will be a different story just because there's, again, two teams, but we're having to facil- facilitate up to 16 other teams yeah. uh, all around the country, whereas there's only eight or so that need to go around. And it's the same with the soccer as well. There's only, you know, yeah. nine or so they need to sort of look at. Yeah. But it'll be good. Hmm. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up with the AFLW was that Brisbane had an Aussie icons training where they all got dressed up as Australian icons for That's the night. Cool. And I thought that was really cool. Yes. It's a bit like how they do their homecoming where they get uh, everybody to wear a junior jumper. I think that's really cool. Just that a bit of... Cool. It's, it's just a bit of culture that's coming out of the Lions. And I yeah. think that they're one of, the, one of the teams. The same with the men's team as well. They just show that they're a little bit uh, more of a new blood and uh, they... They bring that sort of flair into it. Obviously, Mitch Robinson's a big part of that on the men's side. I'm sure he had some sort of input with the with the women. But I think that they're hubbing it as well. I think that they had to stay down in Victoria for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's just nice to bring the team together. Uh, so that was that was really cool. On to the, uh, the male side of it, Coops. Pretty big news coming out of Carlton the other day with uh, Sam Walsh signing a four-year contract extension. Yes. I think that's huge news. Probably one of the best. By the time his contract, his next contract's up, he will have won a Brownlow at least, and probably a premiership with that as well. Watch your space. You've heard it here. I've called it. That Sam Walsh will win it. a Brownlow by the time his contract's out. I think that's that's awesome. That's probably he, not a bad chance. He joins a, a, actually a list of quite young emerging stars that have all re-signed. Uh, there was a few that come out of uh, mm. Hawthorne uh, with that Denver. Granger Barris, I think I've got his name wrong, but he signed a two-year contract extension. CJ did the same, and yeah. then out of Collingwood, obviously, Quainor re-signed for a couple mm. of years as well. Definitely. I really like those sort of players, those types of players yeah. that are yeah. all signing extensions. Like it's, it's, I'd actually prefer those sort of players to be signing twos and threes that, rather than keeping a 34-year-old signing a one-year extension. I yeah. just think that it, it, it's increasing the longevity in the game because if people are staying put and whatever yeah. it's helping development, people are going to want to stay around a little bit longer. Yeah, no, the longer uh, ones it, are definitely definitely good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I'm not... That's that's a bit contradictory because obviously St Kilda have done it with Paddy Ryder. Geelong have done it with everybody on their list. Yeah. Uh, you're doing with Scott Pendlebury at the moment. Correct. Uh, just signing the one-year sort of situations but I think it's really promising when you get somebody like Quain or who's could potentially be hot property and you're snapping up for a couple of years it's exciting builds, mm. builds your hype around the club shows that you got faith in him as well yeah so I think that that's that's really cool speaking of um, Collingwood Dukes you know did you see that they're going on a, a, a mystery boot camp I did see that real Adelaide style type setup. no one knows where they're going yeah that's that's great <laughs> take their it's... phones off them they took their phones off them according to uh, what's his name um, some bloke on 10 News that always fires up against Eddie. That one. <laughs> yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Mm. No, I think that that's really cool. Uh, I think that there's a couple of clubs that have gone on pre-season camps, but nothing obviously is... Essendon, severe. correct. 
as what uh, apparently Collingwood are doing with like a whole take, take your phone. phone. Yeah. yeah, well, I know Essendon went. Um, yeah, they went up to Macedon, uh, Macedon. Did they really? Oh, my no. cousin was up at Macedon. He happened to be up there, and there's all the Essendon boys riding bikes, and they were stuck behind them because they were taking up the whole road. So. Yeah, no, thanks. Single file. Thank Obviously, doesn't mean much at Tullamarine. No, it doesn't. At the hangar. does not mean a thing. Well, Coops, in saying that, what do you expect out of this pre-season camp? Obviously, they've done it for a reason. We know what happened to Adelaide. They went on a pre-season camp, absolutely cooked the players, and they've now spiralled down the ladder. As a Collingwood supporter, knowing the sort of culture and stuff around these camps, what are you hoping that it gets out of the players? Oh, oh. I don't know. What well, like I don't get the point. It's like <laughs> it's like prison. I don't get yes. it. Like it's you could probably take one bloke um, <laughs> and teach him a bit of discipline, but yeah. I don't get the point. Like I mean, it's good good fitness and training, but I don't get the point of the take your phone away, don't tell anyone where you're going. I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't get the whole idea. There must be something behind it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's interesting as well because obviously when the whole coaching debacle sort of went down and, and the captain sort of sunk with the ship and all yeah. of that sort of happened in June, it actually seemed like the players were quite together. Yeah, they were. They yeah. were all... It was, it was like a, par- a parental divorce because Nathan Buckley was like, I'm doing this for the sake of the players. I need them to stay together. And then the players were like, we need to stay together. So they were sort of on level sort yeah. of pe- it's not like Adelaide where they were on the verge of breaking point and there was a lot of infighting and players didn't really want to be there. Yeah. And then they sort of needed that camp to reconnect and it backfired. Like a lot of those ones you see, it's to get the team to bond together like bonding, and yeah. to I just... instill discipline. But I don't think Colin would need that, to be honest. No. I thought it was quite odd. Um, obviously, I think everyone saw the same photo from Grundy's story, but I don't know. Like I don't know. It's quite odd. It is odd. I'm hoping that something good comes out of it. Maybe it could even be just for for them to get to know Craig McRae because a lot of, like, yeah. obviously, being a team that sacks your coach, like, it is quite pressurising in terms, like, you're going to have the media on you just to make sure that you're, uh, you're okay and they're going to hold you to account. So maybe it's yeah. for him to sort of just instil what he wants out of the group and, and I'm all for that. If Touch wood, we hope is. nothing uh, that they're doing um, makes any injuries. Yeah, well, we saw that. Uh, there's been a lot of match simulation being played around Victoria. I think the Saints played in Ballarat, and we saw Nick Coffield, unfortunately, go down with a mm. season-ending ACL injury, which, uh, again, begs the question, I don't think players should be training at all, uh, just because I hate it when my good players get injured. Yeah. Especially, I I, just, I think they should train, and that's it. Uh, play, and that's it. No training. You don't need it. I'm a successful lawn bowler, and I don't train that often, so... Uh, I just think that it's a stupid, stupid, stupid thing, the whole match simulation. But you can't really um, help it. Yeah, the match simulation is a bit... How it all goes. Because, like, they don't... Like, I've seen a couple of clips on, on Instagram. They don't tone it down. It's it's full, full tackle. It's full whack, yeah. It's, isn't it? Full contact. There's no yeah. no touch footy. It's... You go hard or go home and sit on the <laughs> bench. No, I think it's I think it's good. Of Like, you do have to be a little bit careful, though. Just, yeah. Uh, I don't know, because it ends up getting you in the back end of seasons because you end up getting to around 17, 18, 19 and you're in that log jam, which is where St Kilda will be. And uh, then they just get burnt out because of a long pre-season. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a little bit iffy on on the extensive camps and 
all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I understand it right at the start where you need to get fitness into players, but I mean, we've got the practice matches starting in two weeks, and then we've got the NAB Cup or whatever it's called now, the Marsh Community Series or whatever. I think that starts a week later, so we're only three weeks away from from matches, and then we're only an extra two weeks away from actually like from round one. Like we're five weeks away from the season starting, and I don't know, they're still in full boot camp. It just doesn't. I don't know. I, I'm no sports scientist, so I guess yeah. I've got no real. But I just, I don't know. It seems a little bit risky, but they know. I think they're non non ticketed events, aren't they? Like a the council matches. Yeah, well, the one at Morewell's a non ticketed, just a council run. You just go in and have a watch. I think you have to. Oh, well. Like, I don't think you have to pay for them, but I think you have to book a ticket. You probably have to, that, yeah. If that makes sense. With so you just any to, other like I suppose a normal thing you walk in, but COVID, you've you've got. To I think it's things, just for. Yeah. I think it's just for contact tracing. You just got to. Oh yes, yes. Because most people like don't check the, in, so. Like the D's thing that we went to, like it yeah, was free, yeah, but you just had to book it. Because yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. So we're still doing that, unfortunately, but. Uh, Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I think that they're good. Like, obviously, the fixtures come out. Every team's only playing once. They're playing them at weird times. Like, there's a couple of start at 10 a.m., which is interesting. Obviously, I think they're trying to keep the crowd and the media away. Yeah. Uh, I think there's better ways you could do that. If you want to keep the media away, just don't announce them. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be good. I'm hoping that, that, yeah, you get to see a lot of full teams and full lists and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But in saying that, we beat North Melbourne by 91 points in our practice match last year and... Only beat them by twenty points in the real season, so they don't mean a great deal. No, no. But you know, I think it's good. I love footy being back. It's it's exciting. I think KO are going to stream a few of them as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw Collingwood are streaming theirs on KO, which is good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a club run thing, and then obviously all of the Marsh Community Series they'll all be streamed between Foxtel and KO and. And all of that, so I think that that's uh, that's really interesting, and and I'm looking forward to them. I just like seeing all the the draft picks run out, yeah, and uh, show their stuff because I think there are a few real steals in that. Like I saw a video of Jason Horn Francis this morning, and he just looks like he's ready for AFL. Like you get a few of those draft picks, um, probably Petrarca and Clayton Oliver, and all of those sort of sort of players. Not to to hang shit on Melbourne, but. You sort of get them and they're 18 or 19 at an absolute maximum and they're built like string beans and it takes them sort of three years to get into the system. But Jason Horn francis you could probably say Matt Rouse in the same conversation. They just come in and they're just ready-made footballers Yeah. and you can see the sort of impact. I know Matt Rouse sort of dropped off this year, but his first six games, he was winning the Brownlow mm. and, uh, yeah. and I think Horn francis could be quite similar. And I love seeing players that go to clubs like that that are obviously in the shit, they want to go and change the club. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, like, it's I think it's pretty... It's a mentality to have. Oh, it's the best mentality. I think, like, even even Jason Horn francis I think the first thing he said was, I want to win a premiership, but not yet. I want, to be, I want to get this club. You know, he goes, I just want to be a good servant for the club and get them out of the hole that they're in. And then we start looking at premierships. Whereas yeah. I feel like uh, you could take probably Archie Perkins, for example. He was just like, if I get picked at, uh, interstate, I'm not going. And I think that that could be, you know, perceived as a little bit selfish. Yeah. And like other other players that, you know, if they don't get drafted to Richmond or in, I guess, 2021's cases, Melbourne, you know, they're not happy because they're not going to walk straight into success. But, I mean, the chances of you doing a Jake Bowie and walking straight into a premiership is a million to one. Yeah, correct. So I, I, I don't know. 
<laughs> but I love what what Horn France is going to do. I think that that's awesome. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. It's a good good thing to have, and yeah, just with the you know not not going if it's not a Victorian team is a bit how you going, but. Yeah. I mean, it worked. He's playing some good footy, young Archie, and he's got yeah. a spot at Essendon. Like, I don't mind yeah. that at all. But I just think them, and I like the the personality as well. There's not enough personality in Australian sport, but I mean, there's a difference between being entitled and and being reasonable. And he was right on the on the line, but it worked out. I don't think. I think it was only Fremantle that wanted him, and uh, it was a bunch of Vic teams. So he probably would have been unlucky if if he did end up over there. But yeah. uh, he's ended up at Essendon and he's playing all right. Yeah, he's playing well. Uh, Cooper. Yes, Stooksy. JL handed in his two weeks to Cricket Australia a couple of weeks ago. Uh, last week. Yep. Now, this is going to lead straight into the D's letter. Okay. What yep. do you make of the the Justin Langer situation? Um. Look, I don't know what happens behind the doors, but and I haven't read too much into it really, but like... Sure, like sh- there's got to be some leniency there. Like he's uh, like guided to a four nil a T Twenty World Cup. Um, there's got to be some sort of like what's it, what's he done? Like, yeah, it's um it seems like it's it's, it's not great scoops to be honest. No. Like Pat Cummins come out today and said that yeah, uh, a lot of you know he goes players in the past have stood up for their mates and I'm standing up for mine. Yep. So for me, that makes it think there was a little bit of a culture issue. Yeah. Uh, and I find that interesting just because of when JL picked up the squad, yep. picked it up at Sandpaper Gate, probably the hardest period of time that Australian cricket's gone through. Yeah. For donkey's years, picked them up, steered the ship, played some good cricket. But in saying that, performances and everything, because there was obviously a, yeah. a swan, swan mentality of it looks graceful on top, but it's paddling like all hell underneath. And, yeah, the culture's and not there. Thing. Then, yeah. yeah. And then, he was he was the first one to come out and say that he didn't have the support of the players, and he obviously didn't. So um, yeah. you, you see it happen a lot in the AFL, uh, I think more so, just because if there's a if there's a coach that's on the way out, uh, take Alan Richardson for example. Uh, take a handful of Adelaide coaches. Uh, probably um, did Brad Scott coach North before he got the arse? or was that yeah. Chris Scott? It was Brad. No, I think. Brad. Brad. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can see that the players just don't care because they just cough up leads and um, yeah. but you know you can just see it in their performance. So it actually I think that that's what made the JL decision even weirder was because they'd just beaten England 4-0. Yeah. They were playing, you know, all personally career-best cricket, and then their coach sort of goes, it does make it... I think that that just added a little bit of intrigue to it, but the culture issue was obviously there, and, and hopefully they can rectify it. But it must, have been, it must have been interesting because in every interview you sort of see, if you watch the Test documentary series, JL seemed like the most relatable, down-to-earth kind soul. Yeah. Yeah. That could it could sort of coach the Aussies, but I don't know, there must have been something there and it sort of bleeds into the Melbourne situation at the moment. For those who don't know, at the end of uh twenty twenty they launched an investigation into football. This was Melbourne driven. Uh they in, uh launched a thing, they found nothing. Uh all they sort of found was that um Simon Goodwin liked to have uh beverageinos with the players. And he liked to gamble with the players, like they'd play poker and all that sort of shit. And uh, that was about it. 
Now, they sort of, Melbourne were just like, look, we're going to sweep that under the carpet. We've investigated it. There's nothing wrong. Herald Sun this week, though, have come out and they were just like, no, nah, there's a culture issue at Melbourne. Uh, Simon Goodwin's a drunk. He's a gambler. Uh, he's a bully. You know, he bullies his players, blah, blah, blah. And um, Kate Roffey, the Melbourne president, has basically come we up with that. We saw Kate. Um, uh, yeah, we did. We did Kate. see Kate. Yeah. yeah, she come and put it to bed and told the Herald Sun to jam it. And that they don't know what they're on about, basically, and said that we have got no issues with Simon Goodwin. Um, you know, we had we had a discussion, and he took that feedback on board. And we're now the premiers, so get that dog up, yeah, basically. And I, 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 love that I think that's good. Yeah, like a lot of these, um, like the media make it so believable. Like a lot of these supporters would have seen the Herald Sun um, article and gone, "Oh shit!" And Kate sort of just put their mind at ease, which is which is good. I rate that. Yeah, I do rate I, that. I think that's amazing. But, like, it's one of those ones, actions speak louder than words. If they were sitting 15th or 14th or yeah. 18th or whatever and, you know, they'd had another shit year, maybe you could probably start doing that. But, I mean, to say that Simon Goodwin's a bully after he's just, you know... You he's just seen the celebrations and stuff that he was. They were loving it. Yeah, correct. Oh. Correct. You can't win a premiership. Uh, any other way, I don't think, no. than being an absolute bonded unit. Like, yeah. that's the whole reason that Geelong will never ever win a premiership with their current system is because when it comes to the big games, they're a bunch of individuals. Whereas you see Melbourne, they don't have the greatest list, but what that's they do have is a bunch, out, of, a bunch of a bunch of role players. Not gonna lie, I didn't look at it that way. That is a great shout. You what? That it's actually true. Like when you you watch a Geelong game and you watch them all hero ball. Essentially, yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah, and it's the same. The same with Richmond. For them to, you know, Damien Hardwick at the start of 2017 was basically showing the door. They were like, "If you don't improve, you've lost your job." And then they won three of the last, you know, four, uh, three of the last five. Yeah, yeah. Premierships. Like it's just that culture. They were just one bonded unit, and they didn't really have an amazing list either. I mean, you take away, um, you know, Dustin Martin, Trent Cochin, Jack Rewalt. They had the foundations there, but also running around, you had a bunch of Daniel Riolis, Daniel Butlers, um, Jason Castagna, for God's sake. You know, just a bunch of role players that, that were able to get the job done and just yeah. they added to that culture. Asha Hooley uh, was a big part of that, I think. Yeah, Dylan Grimes as well. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, just a bunch of role players and it's just club culture. Yeah. And that's one of those together. ones that... Well, you even see like that's sort of what made or it was like a make or break situation in the hubs. If your team was together, they played well. St Kilda, for example, like they were on retreats. They were all walking and getting coffees every morning. Yeah. They won a final. Whereas uh, who who didn't play very well that year, Coops? 2020. Um, probably Melbourne, actually, for example. They were pretty disconnected. Yeah. Uh, they were lost. Uh, they had some things go wrong in the hub. And then uh, they end up missing finals and um, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just I like the, the term of culture and I, I love what Kate Roffey come out and said, basically, to tell the Herald Sun to jam it and uh, that there was nothing wrong at Melbourne and you could stop asking questions. I like that a lot. Yeah, I yeah, do like they that. Back their, they back their coach. That's Yeah, it says it all. Like, you can't... Herald Sun can't be like, well, you know. Like, she's literally just told you. So... Get a dog up there and move on. Yeah, yeah. It's just clutching at straws, looking for a headline. That's why I hate the media. But yeah. in saying that, you will be um, on those soon. Yeah, 
Yeah, I will. No, a photographer's no. different to, to being in the media coop, so I can just stand on the outside and take pictures of what's happening. I don't have to <laughs> try and report on what's happening. It's good. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. good for me. All right, we've got anything else to uh, to add, Coops? It's only um, been a short episode, but we've we've sort of got everything covered. Alex Woodward, do you want to do you want to touch on that, Dixie? Yeah, um, a lot of people won't know who he is, but I feel like everybody like deserves to know who he is. So Alex Woodward, uh, former draft pick for Hawthorne, former uh, JJ Liston Trophy winner, which is the VFL Best and Fairest. Yep. Um, and Collingwood runner, uh, which he'll be most infamously known for. He was. Quite a big talking point coming out of the 2019, 2018 grand final. And we're looking to get him onto the pod. So uh, that'll be good. Hopefully he'll he'll get back to Coops and uh, we can tee that one up. But that could be something to look forward to in the next uh, next little bit. Otherwise, it'll just be the regular football content. And we're looking forward to bringing that to you as well. Hmm. um, Because we like doing the pod. So that's great from us. And it's great from Alex if he wants to come on. We'd, we'd like him to because yeah. he's got quite a story that I think should be should be spoken about. Like I think it was five ACL tears or Regardless four. Regardless of the of the 2018 aside, he's got a, a great story. Yeah. And he was such a such a good player as well. Like only managed the two senior games, yeah. but won one of the hardest trophies to win in football. So yeah. No, um, yeah, I think it deserves to be spoken, and we hope to bring it to you. Yeah, absolutely. I am. Um, I'm keen. If if he's keen, I'm I'm keen. <laughs> come on, Alex. Come on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, apart from that, Coops, you got anything else to add? No, that's the agenda is now clean. We only have the heading. So. <laughs> well, no, I think that's a pretty good place to uh, to end it. Hopefully, you enjoyed today's episode. Hope you've been enjoying the podcast over the last few few weeks and a bit. Um, we will see you next week. Take care. Stay safe. And uh, bye bye.